Welcome to Ozarks Hates and Hooch. This ain't no fancy, academic, check your references kind of deal. We are two sisters from the Ozarks, sipping and spewing about Hanks, Hooch, and history. This is Dina, and you're listening to Ozarks Hanks and Hooch. Dawn's over there. Hi. Yeah. And when I say over there, that's because we're not together this time. It's sad. It is sad. She's in South Carolina, and it's cold, which doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. And I'm in Forsyth, Missouri, and it's cold, but you know, it's January. But tomorrow it's going to be 50 because I'm in Missouri. Uh, tomorrow here in South Carolina, it's going to be like 45. So the world is crazy. It is crazy. Okay. I'm going to tell you about our social media because, you know, it's our time to do that. Um, we've got Facebook and Instagram. Um, we also may have Twitter in the future. Look for that. We've got a new social media person. Um, I think we talked about her. Yeah, Riley McCormick, who's Deidre's daughter and our niece, is doing our social media for us, which is great because she's young and we're old. And And that's what she's going to school for, for God's sake. So we're giving her real life experience. You're welcome. That's $1,500. That'll be, (laughs) what's tuition now? That'll be $57,000. Yeah. So we also want to say sorry about uh, any cats, dogs, um, no mowing, no mowing today because there really is ice and snow out on the ground. But like I said, we're in two different states. I've got iffy Wi-Fi and um, all that good stuff. Um, And I still have this new mic and it's the first time I've used it on my own and I feel really loud because it's a really good mic and I don't know what to do with that. So there's that. Um, we release on the first and the 15th of each month. Give us all the stars. We're on all the different formats. You can listen to us on Podbean. You can listen to us, Apple Music. I mean, pretty much if there's one out there, we're on it. And like I said, the first and the 15th. Can I tell you that I didn't, Facebook has a podcast platform now. And so I think when you get our link, if it's got a little um, triangle in it, that means you can listen to our podcast on Facebook. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I know that's new. All right. Um, Dawn's going to tell us a little bit um, about our Patreon. So go right ahead and do that. I will. You So um, can we say we have our first hoochie? Sure. Yay. We have our first hoochie, you guys. Yay, Gina. Yay, Gina. (laughs) So Gina is our very first hoochie, which is what you could be if you decide to become one of our patrons. And I just wanted to say, um, you may not know this, but doing a podcast actually costs money. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, some of the money goes to, a big chunk of the money goes to renting server space so that you guys can go back and listen to earlier episodes. I mean, those have to be out there in the on something somewhere, right? So we have to rent that. It costs to have a website. Um, you know, there are just other little incidental, mainly digital things that it costs money to do. And so we're just hoping to break even. So if you feel like you like our show, um, throw a couple dollars at us once a month and um, 
we would really appreciate it. Yes, we would. Yeah, we would. Um, the only other thing I'm going to add to my big uh, intro spiel here is uh, to remember that we have a website and it is ozarkshainsinhooch at dot weebly dot com. Yeah. Um, and I was also, I'm going to tell you a sad, sad story before we do our, our shout outs. Um, I was supposed to go on vacation last week. We talked about it over the 15th and um, I didn't get to go. I have COVID. I mean, I don't now, but I tested positive for COVID um, two days before we were supposed to leave. And so I didn't get to go to Mexico. I got to, I got to have COVID instead. So I'm vaccinated and I'm boosted. I have cold symptoms. Like I still, I'm going to cough just a minute. <coughs> so sorry. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, I still have some lingering cold systems, systems, symptoms, <laughs> um, maybe systems too. My nose is runny and I have a cough, but, um, I'm not in the hospital and I'm not on oxygen somewhere. I'm not taking up a hospital bed. So here I am telling you, please go get yourself vaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, go get yourself boosted. And in six months, if they tell you to go get boosted again, then by God, go get boosted again. And And in the midst of all of that, if you go out amongst the world, wear a freaking mask. Wear a freaking mask. Spreading it everywhere. Yeah, I have been tired of this. I know I have been wearing a mask everywhere and the looks I get, I'm just like, I want to take it off and go, I just got tested positive for COVID. Would you like me to breathe on you? Let me lick you. <laughs> yeah. Let me breathe directly into your mouth. How's that? I just had to cancel um, a show I was supposed to do in two weeks. They've canceled all in-person performances. So Anyway, please do all that stuff and and wear a mask because that's the only way that this thing is ever going to slow down. That's right. And there's our soapbox. Plus, I freaking didn't get to go to Mexico and I'm really super mad. I am drinking out of my Mexico cup that Teresa bought me the last time that she was in Cancun. And that's another thing is it was a big birthday celebration for her and I didn't get to go. So, wah, wah there's my, I started, instead of going on a vacation, I got COVID and I started the keto diet. So that's oh, so I much didn't fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do something to keep my mind off the fact that I wasn't where I wanted to be. Mm. So there you go. All right. So we do have, um, there's, there's my big sob story. Everybody feel sorry for me. All right. Um, I've got some shout outs or we've got some shout outs. I'm going to let Dawn go ahead and do her first one. Okay. Well, so I'll just say, um, maybe you were supposed to say this, but I'm going to say, you say we, Dina and I have not been good. Well, none of us have been good, had been good about, uh, we see your comments. We put them on the website, but we hadn't really done any shouting out. So some of these comments are kind of old, but we want to we want to talk about them because they're great. So the first one is Perry Fogelman. Thank you for your Hoffman Mansion suggestion. We're going to look into that. And we'd also like to tell Tara Wolf. Thank you. She sent us an Alf, uh, Alf Bolin article. That was very interesting. Thank you right. for doing that. Yep. And thank you, Sean Patrick Fay. If you guys go on the Weebly website, he um, cited an Ozark Howler and took a picture of it. And so I put it up uh, 
on the uh, extras page on this this episode, you'll find it um, entertaining. And uh, let's see, Janet Collins, who is my buddy from Shepherd of the Hills, and she told us a story after this last uh, Hatchet Man Bridge, um, the last one, the last story that we did. She commented that um, a few years ago, actually, she said many years ago, on a rainy night, my sister's car slipped on the old wooden bridge and rolled, landed upside down. Won't ever forget that night. The wreck wasn't nearly as scary as the thought of where we wrecked at. Yeah, so, I bet it. Yeah, scary. Yeah, scary. But Janet's my buddy. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, so my buddy, Mike Hudson, saw your picture of the drinks with the axe. This is for Hatchet Man Bridge. And he said, Lizzie Borden on the rocks. Oh, Mike. Uh, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, our our friend Pam, our um, old partner in crime there, yeah. she also said that she enjoyed the staging of the picture for the Hatchet Man. We're very creative. You know, we all have that background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Gibson said when he was talking, we were talking about the weathered axe, the drink that had bourbon in it. He said, I'm eager to try this, but it seems too fancy for me. I think I'll replace the Lillet lemon juice, ginger syrup, and ice with more bourbon. I told him he was a man after my own heart. No, no. All right. Um, Bob Morrill said that he just subscribed this week. He is enjoying the podcast. He listened to the Momo episode and it made me think of a story I was told by my granny, which this is first person, not my granny, his granny. She told she had told of a zoo. Marlon Perkins tried to start in the Marvel cave in the mid 60s. Story is a monkey got loose and was heard howling and occasionally seen looking in windows at night down Indian Point. Just thought I would share. You know what? I think I've heard that story before, too. Well, and if you look at the date on that, that was, sorry, Bob, that was a really long time yeah. ago. I think we answered you, but we never shared it with people. And then lastly, we just, um, so many people reached out to us on Instagram and Facebook to um, send us their thoughts and love and condolences about Deidre. So, we really, really thank you for that. We and we're going to try you. to be better about this, honestly. And if you become a hoochie like Gina, then <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a big old shout out. So thank you, Gina, once again, for being our mm-hmm. inaugural hoochie. And you're going to get your presence in the mail. Yep, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're going to go to the drinky drink. Yeah. Um, hey, can I some- say this? Sure, you say So it. we all know that um, we record a few days before we actually, the podcast uploads, but um, I've been doing dry January. And so for you people, I broke the whole shebang. I so thought that I really actually, killed you too. It did. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. And it's not even bourbon. So just saying. Well, it could be bourbon, though. It's oh, I use gin. Okay, go ahead. Tell them what it is. Sorry. All right. It is called the bootleg cocktail. And so it is, you have to make a bootleg mix. And that is half a cup fresh lemon juice, um, a fourth of a cup. And this is to make four drinks. So honestly, I did not do this much. I just made enough for my little drink. A fourth a cup fresh lime juice and a fourth a cup um, agave nectar or cane sugar or honey, 
and two packed tablespoons fresh mint leaves. So you add two ounces of bootleg mix. You can have gin, vodka, or bourbon as your alcohol, which I used vodka, and two ounces of club soda. Put ice in a cup or glass, probably be nicer than a cup, and um, add the bootleg mix. Then you, well, you're supposed to, okay, you're sp this is fancy and I didn't do it this way, but I'll tell you the right way to do it. To make the bootleg mix, you juice the lemons and limes into a cup, add the sweetener, pour the juice and sweetener into a blender and add the fresh mint leaves. Blend thoroughly until the mint is broken into teeny tiny bits. To make the drinks, you fill the cocktail glass with ice. For each drink, you pour two ounces of your bootleg mix, two ounces of your liqueur, or liquor, and top with two ounces of club soda. Serve with star straw, which doubles as a stirring device. So I'm ketoing. I can't have anything sweet. I can have lemon and limes, though I'm probably not supposed to, but I went ahead and had it. I think I can have limes. I I'm think not you so can. sure about lemons. But anyway, I did do the fresh lemon and lime juice, but I used I used a lemon lime sparkling ice as my club soda slash bootleg mix because it was the only way I could have my drink. So I'm just trying. So if you're ketoing and still want to do this, instead mix the lemon and lime juice with um, two ounces of lemon lime sparkling ice and then add your vodka to that. I will just say I wanted, it's good. I used mother earth gin, which is a botanical gin. So it tastes really floral kind of anyway, but um, I, I would have liked for it to be sweeter. Actually. I know. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I know. Well, maybe I know it is really sour. Um, maybe my husband. I've been dry all January. Well, I don't know, but uh, I maybe. made a half a drink <laughs> because I'm not ketoing, but I'm, I've, I've still got a, a few days of January left and I'm trying to be good. So, yeah. Uh, my husband tried it and made faces because it is super sour. I, yeah, I think more sweet would help. Yeah. yeah. But I will good. tell you, our, um, while we're drinking, let me just tell you that those sparkling ices, the lemonade one, if you add vodka to those, it tastes like a lemon drop. Oh. So, and that is all keto- and it's all good. So okay. there you go. All right. Now that we're talking, done talking about drinking, um, we're going to let Dawn talk about what she's going to talk about. So go right ahead. Well, here's the thing. So <laughs> I thought I had seen this uh, subject months ago and I, and I, you know, we, you go online, you Google, which happy birthday. Oh, I can't say this. Happy birthday, Betty White. Now everybody knows what day it is, but um, if you Google, you know, all these things come up and I thought, oh, okay, this one will be easy because there's lots of information. Okay. No, it was information on the, it's the same book that kept coming up and I just didn't read it closely. So I ended up having to do a whole bunch of research. And um, in the midst of all of that research, there's a whole lot of misinformation. So I am doing Irish O'Malley and the Ozark Mountain Boys Gang, which all of that is a misnomer. Um, I got my information from ozarkshistory.blogspot.com. 
thelibrary.org, Ozark's Watch is the periodical, stlouistoday.com. Oh, and then the, believe it or not, boy, talk about being academic, the New York University Journal of Law and Liberty, and I'll talk about why here in a minute. But there is a book called Irish O'Malley and the Ozark Mountain Boys uh, by R.D. Morgan, which of course I couldn't get before I did this story. So I have it on interlibrary loan. And when it comes in, I'm going to read it. And then I will revisit this topic because when you look at newspapers of the day and people's remembrances, there is a lot of information that really doesn't make sense. So what I'll do is kind of introduce them. I'll tell you about a couple of their infamous crimes and a couple of their members who were not nice people. So okay. the, okay, I know that was a big, that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> um, so the Irish O'Malley gang or the Ozark Mountain Boys were often touted as representing the final installment of America's great 1930s depression era super gangs. I didn't know that was a thing. Following in the footsteps of both John Dillinger and Mob Barker, which is interesting, right? Because had you ever heard of the Ozark Mountain Boys? Or Only Irish? Because we've talked about them. I know, <laughs> so, but it's no, not, not like before that. You uh-huh. know John Dillinger and you know yeah. Ma Barker. And anyway, mm-hmm. evidently they were as notorious as those two gangs, and I'd never heard oh. of them. Uh-uh. Um, So uh, the title O'Malley Gang was apparently something of a misnomer as noted criminal Leo Irish O'Malley was supposedly not even the leader of the gang. The gang was reportedly made up mainly of ex-cons from Missouri who'd started out as the Ozark Mountain Boys. And I'll just say that Leo Irish O'Malley might not have been Irish O'Malley. I'll get to that in a minute. Newspapers had dubbed the outfit the Irish O'Malley Gang after they pulled off a number of robberies in southwest Missouri, northeast Oklahoma, and the surrounding region. Another report says the O'Malley Gang came about as a result of the merging of the Ozark Mountain Boys with another gang, one deriving from a rural environment, the Ozark Mountain Boys, and the other from an urban environment, although I'll talk about that in a minute too because there's conflicting information about who the other gang was. Uh, The story involved a small cadre of hard-nosed underworld hoodlums joined by an army of thrill-starved gangster malls and criminal associates, which eventually evolved into a loosely knit organization. Its members drifted across the Midwest, committing a national headline-grabbing kidnapping and several brutal murders, as well as looting and robbing a dozen banks. Law enforcement dubbed the lawless band the most highly disciplined and and efficient of the day, even though we don't know who they are, but I'll get to that. Their bank raids were well-planned and conducted in precise clockwork fashion. Not until the final months of the group's existence did investigators, get this, including J. Edgar Hoover's G-Men. Oh, there, yeah, I'll get to that. Connect the dots and conclude a single group initially dubbed the Midwest Bank Robbers was behind the epidemic of bank heists. Now, 
The Midwest bank robbers, that's the only time I ever heard that mentioned. Um, the other because it's bad. It's not a good, it's not a good name. It's not catchy. Oh, I know, but wait. So I'm gonna say all most of this information comes from newspapers of the day, and the names for the people and the names for the gangs are fabulous. And the, the description um, is, oh, sensational. So anyway, right, they're bad, but I think people kind of reveled in their badness. But that Midwest bank robbers, that's the only time you hear about that. No, I mean, the name is bad. Oh, I see. What the, you the people are bad. I mean, that's just not a creative. No, it isn't. Yes. And yeah. the O'Malley game, game. I'm almost done with my drink. Sorry. The O'Malley gang is so much more catchy, you know? It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's better. Okay. And ahead, everybody sorry. had a nickname, too. Okay. Here's some more misinformation. So the Ozark Mountain Boys, that's pretty standard through all of these uh, newspaper accounts that I'm going to read to you. But uh, the Midwest bank robbers, you don't hear about them again. Okay. So Irish O'Malley could have been Leo O'Malley, or it could have been a man named Walter Holland. And um, on the website, I have Walter Holland's mug sheet and a picture of him in jail. I could never find a picture of Leo O'Malley. So weird, right? I, mm -hmm. I, and I couldn't really find much information on Leo O'Malley. It would make sense if it's called the Irish O'Malley gang, <laughs> he'd have something to do with it, but, but uh, he's only mentioned once. So here's, here's there are two most faint, well, three, there's three most famous um, crimes. The first one is the Bank of Avila and the robbery of 1932. So Avila, and I hope I'm saying that right, I think I am, is Northeast of Joplin, close to Carthage, Missouri. So the Bank of Avila was established September 18th, 1914. And the interesting thing about this bank is it remained profitable, even though even through the Great Depression of the 30s, though records, bank records are incomplete. This in itself is remarkable as most, almost half of the banks in America had either closed or merged in the 30s because of the depression. But the productive farms surrounding the town established Avila as a valuable agricultural and livestock raising community, which it's still kind of, you do see a lot of livestock over in that area actually still. So the Bank of Avila was the target of a successful armed robbery on May 18, 1932 by members of the notorious Irish O'Malley gang, which also resulted in the kidnapping of the cashier. All right, let's see. Uh, if it is not known if the undisclosed amount was ever recovered and records don't show if or how bank customers were reimbursed because deposits weren't insured at the time. So about two o'clock in the afternoon of May 18th, the Bank of Avila was held up by two bandits who entered the bank with revolvers drawn. Neither man wore a mask, although one wore sunglasses, which is weird because it's 1932, and the other had his face painted with some sort of brown substance to disguise his appearance. Huh. <laughs> Ew, I'm not even going to think about I, what that brown substance was, right? I know. 
In a report published in a Joplin newspaper later that same afternoon, the pair were described as young men, but the next day, a different Joplin newspaper said they were middle-aged. The holdup men forced cashier Ivy Russell and bookkeeper Evelyn Shelton to lie down behind the teller's cage, and they ordered Mrs. C.R. Stimmons, who was um, the sister of the bank president, and a customer at the time to take a seat in a chair at the front of the bank. Another customer, Harry Hightower, entered during the robbery and he, like the bank officials, was made to lie on the floor. The robbers then forced the bank manager to get up and retrieve the bank's cash from the safe. The take amounted to about $2,000. This is one newspaper account. The other newspaper account said they didn't really know how much they got. Threatening Russell, the bandits ordered him outside to their car and took him along as a hostage during the getaway. Russell is the bank manager. The, the bandit car, reported to be a 1929 Model A Ford sedan, sped west out of town. And by speeding, they meant like 20 miles an hour. 20, 25 miles yeah. an hour, yeah. Along <laughs> Route 66. The bandits turned north about two miles outside of Avila and drove about two more miles before stopping at the side of the road where they bound Russell's hands and feet with tape, shoved him through a hedgerow into a wheat field and sped away. The telephone operator at Avila reported the, uh, the robbery immediately after it happened and law officers from Joplin and other surrounding towns were put on the lookout. Meanwhile, Russell was able to work his way free and hailing a ride, he was back at the bank less than an hour after the holdup. He reported that he saw the bandits head west on a back road after they shoved him through the hedgerow, but no further trace of the outlaws was reported. The men who held up the Avila Bank were later identified as part of the Leo Irish O'Malley gang. So there's Leo again. Mm -hmm. Although two men hardly constitute a gang, this is a newspaper, and I'm not sure whether it's even definitely known that O'Malley himself was one of the two men. After the Avila robbery, the O'Malley gang committed a number of other crimes in the four-state region over the next few years, including robbing a bank at Neosho, Missouri in early March of 1935, after three months, about three months after the Neosho job, the gang held up a bank at Fort Smith, Arkansas, and most of the members of the gang were caught and sentenced to prison in the wake of the Fort Smith robbery. So Fort Smith was the last um, robbery they committed. That The newspapers were all um, agree, in agreement on that point. Okay, that's 1932. Every seat, okay, this is from a newspaper. Every seat was taken as jury selection began on September 11th, 1933, before Circuit Judge D.H. Mudge, Judge Mudge, you guys. Mm, that's awesome. The Madison County Courthouse was abuzz for the trial of six defendants, including Lillian Chesson, 50, of East Alton, Illinois, who faced death in the kidnapping that I'm going to describe here in a minute. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. This was. Alton is near um, Kansas City. Sorry about that. Not in Illinois. All right. There is Alton in Illinois. Though. I know, but this, yeah, this is the Missouri one. So Alton, or no, pardon me. 
I, you'd think I've never even seen this before in my life. <laughs> August Luer, L-U-E-R, 77, was a prominent banker who took nitroglycerin tablets for his bad heart. On July the 10th, he was listening to Amos and Andy on the radio in his spacious home at 759 Washington Avenue when a man and a woman knocked, claiming to be looking for another resident. Hel Helena Lure, 75, let the woman use the telephone. It was a ruse. The woman cut the phone line as her escort and another man who had hidden outside knocked Helena Lure to the floor. They dragged her husband to a getaway car. This is Helena. Please, if I could just hear from Papa, said Helena Lure as the kidnappers left notes demanding $100,000, which was a lot in those days. Yeah, August a lot now. Mm-hmm. August Lure spent five days blindfolded and stuffed into a cramped hole beneath a farm shed near Madison, Missouri, which is just northeast of Columbia, Missouri. On the night of July 15th, without collecting any ransom, the kidnappers suddenly released Lure on a dark stretch of road near the Fairmont racetrack. Lure walked into a roadhouse where the barkeep scanned his dirty clothes and made him for a beggar. <laughs> I'm Mr. Lure, he said, and all the customers gathered around. Helena Lure, meanwhile, searched police mugshot albums and identified Percy Fitzgerald, get this, a burglar known as the Dice Box Kid. That's what I'm talking about. So great. Fitzgerald confessed and named his conspirators. Detectives learned the gang originally intended to kidnap another rich man from Alton, but changed plants changed plans, not plants, not plants. or pants, at Lillian Chesson's insistence. She said the, layer, ugh, the layout of Lure's home made for an easier mark. Officers arrested Chesson, her husband Charles, and the two others. They searched for the ringleader, Walter Holland, alias Irish O'Malley. So there's where we get this guy. Mm -hmm. And his lady friend, bank robber Vivian Chase, who had cut the lure's phone line. Holland and Chase were long gone. In court, Helena Lure identified Fitzgerald as one of her attackers. The defendants turned on each other. Lillian Chesson admitted writing ransom notes, but denied picking the kidnap victim. On September 30th, the jury convicted all but six, but didn't recommend any executions because some jurors couldn't bear sending a woman to the chair. Lillian Chesson got life for, for a freaking kidnapping. I mean, anyway, it was that was the time. In May 1935, police traced Holland and Chase to an apartment in Kansas City. They arrested Holland, but Chase gave them the slip again. Holland pled guilty. Chase was found murdered five months later. August Lure lived to age 88. So that was a kidnapping. And it, that had several newspaper articles. So evidently in its day, that was a big deal. Yeah. All right. So here is another um, story about one of the gang members that you've never heard of prior to this story. But I chose it because um, there is a guy 
at the Ozarks History blog spot who had done a whole bunch of research. And this guy's interesting. His name is Leonard Short. He was a brother of U.S. Congressman Dewey Short from Stone County. Now, if you guys don't know about Dewey Short, he was like commended as the orator of our time. He was very famous in the... Um, in Missouri. His brother Leonard was a feed and produce merchant in Galena, Galena in the late 1920s. He also had a title and abstract company. In early 1930, he sold the feed and produce company. While still running the abstract company, he started promoting boxers on the side. And then in 1931, he became a wrestling and boxing promoter in Springfield, renting the Shrine Mosque to stage the events. See, already he's on a bad path. Um, Short was reputed to be Stone County's biggest bootlegger, hence the cocktail. But until 1933, about the worst trouble he'd ever gotten in was an unproven charge of selling illegal whiskey in the late 20s. After the Bank of Galena was held up by three men on August 28, 1933, though, Short was arrested and charged with being an accessory for allegedly having met with the perpetrators. In January 1934, he was rearrested and charged with being an accessory to an October 1933 robbery of the Model Bakery in Springfield. It was alleged that Short was the brains of the stick-up job. At his trial in March 1934, Short was convicted of conspiracy in the robbery and sentenced to 10 years in prison. He was released on bond while he appealed the conviction. And while still out on bail, he was implicated in yet another robbery, the holdup of the Bank of Billings in December of 1933, Billings, Missouri. It was about the same time or a little later, the spring of 1934, that it was first alleged that Short was part of an organized gang of thieves and robbers. Although certain other members of the gang, such as Dewey Gilmore, were also tentatively identified, neither Short nor Gilmore had yet come to be associated with the Irish O'Malley gang as they later would be. In fact, the O'Malley gang did not come to public attention until May of 1935. Uh, in May of 1935, Short was tied to the Irish O'Malley gang after Dewey Gilmore was arrested in Texas, and Walter Holland, alias Irish O'Malley, was arrested for an alleged kidnapping in Illinois the previous August. So there again is um, Walter Holland mentioned as Irish O'Malley. Mm -hmm. Short was among the other gang members rounded up and he was implicated along with Gilmore and others in the double robbery of two Okama, Oklahoma banks on December 22nd, 1934. The same gang, which is um, came to be known as the Ozark Mountain Boys, was suspected in several other bank robberies as well, including one at Fort Smith less than a month before the arrest and one at Neosho two months before that. So that this newspaper account agrees with the other one. One officer remarked that the arrest of the O'Malley gang members cleared up virtually every bank robbery throughout the Midwest over the previous couple of years. After his arrest, Short was also linked to the Six Daring Bandits. Oh. <laughs> That's a great gang. <laughs> Another gang that was broken up near the same time as the O'Malley gang. 
A crane bank robbery was generally attributed to the six daring bandits. And I tried to find any information on a famous bank robbery in Crane, and I, I couldn't. All right. Dewey Short was transported to Oklahoma and jailed at Muskogee to await trial in the Okama robberies. While he was still awaiting trial, he lost his appeal in the Springfield Bakery holdup case and was ordered to serve his 10-year sentence. Authorities in Oklahoma would not release Short to Missouri, however, until after his trial on the Okama bank jobs. So he's in Oklahoma, he gets convicted in Missouri and Oklahoma's not gonna release him. In late November, he was found guilty in federal court of complicity in the Okama crimes. On December 3rd, however, before he could be sentenced, he and three of his comrades in the O'Malley gang, including Dewey Gilmore, broke out of the Muskogee jail where they were being held, seriously wounding a lawman in the process. Three days later, they were trailed to a farmhouse near Claremore, Oklahoma, where lawmen engaged them in a shootout when they refused to surrender. One outlaw was killed outright. Short was mortally wounded and died within hours. Gilmore was also wounded and the fourth man surrendered. Short's body was brought back to Galena for burial. So Leonard Short, that's Leonard Short and Dewey Gilmore and the Ozark Mountain Gang. Mm. who were also part of the what are they called the bandits six, six. daring bandits yeah six daring bandits okay. so another oh. kind of um famous guy that was associated with these gangs was jackson jack miller now this comes right from a newspaper article and oh my god it's so great just the language is so great i'm just gonna read it Jackson Jack Miller was a gambler, roadhouse owner, and small-time hood from Claremore, Oklahoma. Born in about 1900, he grew into a hulking 240-pound thug. By 1921, he was in trouble with the law. His troubles worsened on August, sorry, August 14, 1924, when he accidentally killed H.A. Seacrest, a young court reporter from Tulsa, while working as a bouncer at the Oak Cliff Resort near Claremore. Seacrest was plastered and rough, roughing up his date, so Miller decked him, breaking his jaw. Unfortunately, Seacrest died of sepsis a couple of weeks later due to the broken jaw. Miller turned himself in on September 11th, 1924, and immediately posted the $5,000 bail. So that's kind of his early... Um, how he became a thug, a 240-pound thug. Miller did not hit the major leagues until he joined the O'Malley gang in 1934. The Depression was the golden age of Midwestern bank robbery, and the O'Malley's executed some of the era's most daring and successful heists. From 1932 to 1935, they claimed most of the major bank robberies in the South. In, this says in the Southwest. I don't think they mean country. I think they mean in Southwest Missouri or the Midwest, because that doesn't make sense. Hitting banks in Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, and Illinois. Originally known as the Ozark Mountain Boys, the gang consisted of a score of hoods, most of whom met in the Missouri State Penitentiary, 
as you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> a reporter christened them the O'Malley gang after the dashing Leo Irish O'Malley. So there's Leo again, mm-hmm. notorious for his sensational but remarkably inept kidnapping of August Lure. In fact, O'Malley was only a bit player. The gang's real leaders were Dewey Gilmore, Daniel Dapper Dan Hetty, and George yes. Leonard Shock Short. In the summer of 1934, Short moved to a rented farmhouse outside of Claremore. This is um, the congressman's brother. The rest of the gang soon followed. Hetty recruited Miller as a follow-up man, lookout, and a wheelman or a getaway driver. Then the O'Malley's got to work. So Jack Miller is most famous. And the reason why I found him in the NYU Law and Liberty Journal um, uh, for sparking a landmark gun law case because he used a sawed off shotgun whenever he robbed, which was illegal at the time. And so I'll talk about that here in a minute as I talk about arrests. So this also comes from the Calixido. C-A-L-I-X-I-D-O, Calixido Chronicle, which is a town near Rolla that I've never heard of. Wow, that's a big name. I know. You know, it's interesting. I mean, let me just, let me pause for a moment to comment. You know, Galena used to be a big old place. I mean, and so these towns, you know, whether they were railroad towns or river towns or whatever, who at one time were really bustling as big as like Kansas City or as as, um, important, I would say, Mm -hmm. maybe not as big, you know, and now Galena is like, you know, a wide spot in the road. So like really it's a post office, a gas station and a school. And a house from Sears and Roebuck. Did grandpa ever point that out to you? No, no. Okay, so this, every time we go through Galena, he'd point out this white house that sits on the hill and he'd say, those people ordered that house from Sears and Roebuck, because I guess you could do that. Wow. Galena people, you know what I'm talking about. So, (laughs) (laughs) August 27th, Kansas City, Missouri, federal agents working quietly and without publicity have exterminated two of the Middle West's most infamous gangs whose depredations ran into the millions. The two gangs obliterated were the Walter Holland, Irish O'Malley gang, and an Ozark mob known as the Six Daring Bandits Incorporated. <laughs> I love the oh fact that incorporated. They're incorporated. Yeah. yeah. And what happened to the Ozark Mountain Boys? Like, this is the first time that you see, well, I mean, they kind of hint at it um, in the in the Leonard Short segment but Mm -hmm. um that those were the same gangs anyway the o'malley gang had eight members and the ozark mob six with an overlapping of the members of one gang into the other in addition to these 14 gangsters five others some of whom associated at one time or another with those two gangs were placed behind bars the search extended to Texas after working more than a year on the O'Malley gang. Federal agents sorted cracking the gang, sorted, started. There's lots of um, spelling errors, grammatical errors in this. Federal agents started cracking the gang May 1st. On May 24th, Dewey Gilmore was arrested in Dallas, Texas, the first of the gang nabbed by J. Edgar Hoover's sleuths. 
Four days later, Floyd Henderson was arrested in Joplin, Missouri. On May 30th, Russell Cooper was nabbed in Fort Smith, Arkansas. The following day in Kansas City, the big catch was made when O'Malley and his chief lieutenant, D.T. Hetty, were taken in a surprise raid conducted by E.E. Conroy, the federal agent in charge of Kansas City's division, and Sheriff Thomas B. Bash of Jackson County. The only member of the gang captured by accident was Otto Jackson, who went on a drunken spree in Kansas City August 1st and was apprehended by two policemen unaware of the importance of their quarry. <laughs> so, nice, nice. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> the climax to the cleanup of the O'Malley gang came several days later when Virgil Red Melton and Fred Reese, two of O'Malley's right-hand assistants, were captured in the wooded Ozark area near Harrison, Arkansas. O'Malley, rather than face a multitude of bank robbery charges, pled guilty to the kidnapping of August Lure um, and was sentenced to life in prison. The leader of the Six Daring Bandits Incorporated, also closely associated with the O'Malley gang, was Leonard Short, captured in Galena. So on May 3rd, 1935, this is the Fort Smith bank robbery. The O'Malley gang hit the City National Bank of Fort Smith, Arkansas, stealing about $22,000. It was their last big job. The police arrested Cooper as a likely, likely, likely suspect and struck gold. Cooper ratted out Gilmore, who was already on the lam. The police caught up with Gilmore on May 22nd outside Lancaster, Texas. Gilmore sang too, fingering the rest of the gang. That sounds dirty. The police pinched O'Malley and Hetty in Kansas City where they'd rented a swanky pad from James Maroon. I love all that. Swanky, swanky. Swanky and Maroon. O'Malley immediately confessed to the lure kidnapping and was extradited to Illinois. But the FBI took Hetty to Muskogee, Oklahoma to face federal charges on an Okama bank job. A couple of weeks later, the police nabbed Short in Galena, and on August 8th, they caught up with Melton and Reese at a fishing camp in Taney County, Missouri. So not in Harrison, but it's pretty so close that who knows. Mm -hmm. yeah. The FBI took all three to Muskogee for trial. In the meantime, federal prosecutors indicted the O'Malley's in the Eastern District of Oklahoma. The Oklahoma trial came first. Um, Federal prosecutors charged Gilmore, Cooper, O'Malley, and Short with robbing the Okama National Bank and Hetty, Melton, and Reese with robbing the National Bank of Okama. Okama National Bank and the National Bank of Okama. So it makes you wonder if they're the same thing. <laughs> All seven pleaded not guilty and the trial was set for October 16th, but on October 2nd, the United States re-indicted the lot of them, adding Jack Miller to both counts and postponed the trial to November 25th. So Miller, besides carrying a sawed-off shotgun, was a was a squealer. Of so course. Miller soon flipped, confessing his role in the Okama job and turning state's evidence. Miller was the government's ace in the hole. To preserve the surprise, federal prosecutors sequestered him in the county jail until trial. As soon as the trial began, Miller's lawyer, H. Tom Knight, announced. 
Jack Miller, my client, will testify only on condition that he be granted complete immunity. Judge Robert L. Williams agreed on the condition Miller gives a complete and truthful account of the crime. He did, and then some. (laughs) Miller, placed on the witness stand, identified the defendants as co-conspirators and testified Dan Hetty, charged with participation in the robbery of First National Bank, approached him regarding robbery of some banks. He testified the plan robbing the Okama banks was agreed upon and he was employed as a follow-up man. He said he received $2,100 as his share of the loot. Miller's erstwhile companions branded him a squealer. Mm. Cooper even requested to leave the court, uh, Cooper even requesting to leave the courtroom while Miller testified. The trial was almost over as soon as it started. Oh, no, I've lost my place. Oh, no, oh, here, there it is. On November 27th, the jury convicted the seven defendants on all counts. Williams acquitted Miller as promised, but added an admonishment. You had a narrow escape this time, and you won't be so lucky again. Get into something honest and quit this gambling business. Miller immediately returned to Claremore. Um Williams set a sentencing date of December 9th, but on December 3rd, (laughs) Hetty's wife, Pretty Betty, slipped him a pistol during a visit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I want to see a movie. (laughs) Hetty used the pistol to break out of prison, escaping with Gilmore, Short, and Cooper, among others. During the jailbreak, Hetty shot Muskogee Chief of Detectives Ben Bolton, who died a couple days later. That's too bad. A huge posse of Oklahoma police and federal agents aided by bloodhounds and observers in airplanes tracked the fugitives to push Mataha County in the Kiamachi Mountains near Clayton, Oklahoma. Wow, that's lots of big words too. I know. I'm so glad I'm not really drinking a lot because on December 5th, the posse caught Cooper while he was walking down a country road 12 miles north of Clayton. And the next day, they found Hetty and Gilmore in a farmhouse near Weathers, Oklahoma. When Hetty and Gilmore refused to surrender, the police opened fire, killing Hetty. Gilmore quickly gave up and led the police to Short, about a mile and a half away. Short was already dying, having been critically burned in an accidental fire the night before. And he drowned when a boat used to evacuate him accidentally capsized. (laughs) That poor guy. Um, I mean, even though he's karma, that was karma, a murderer. I know, he, but I love, you know, he's already dying, having been critically burned accidentally. And then he drowns because they boat accidentally capsizes. Um, on December 9th, Williams sentenced Gilmore Cooper, O'Malley, Melton and Reese to 25 years. Miller was terrified of the fugitive O'Malley. So the FBI hid him in a county jail during the manhunt. They needed their snitch alive for the Arkansas trial. On January 10th, 1936, federal prosecutors, oh my God, um, charged all of those people with robbing the McElroy Bank and Trust Company of Fayetteville and the City National Bank of Fort Smith. They all four pleaded not guilty, but Gilmore flipped when Miller implicated him in the Fayetteville job and the others quickly folded. I mean, what wusses, right? Mm. On January 14th, Judge Hiram Hartzell Reagan 
sentenced all of them to 25 years, uh, no, Gilmore, Cooper, and Jackson, and Smith to 56. Short was very popular in Galena. Over a thousand people attended his funeral and his death was controversial, right? Because he's the one that had mm-hmm. burned and, and drowned. It's like <laughs> they couldn't kill him. The police denied shooting him, but a Galena undertaker insisted he found several buckshot wounds in the corpse. And on February 14th, Gilmore and Cooper got another 99 years for murdering Bolton. That was the end of the O'Malley's. Melton, Cooper, Gilmore, and Reese started in Leavenworth and ended up in Alcatraz. Uh, O'Malley did his time in Illinois, but soon went mad and died in 1944. And Miller returned to his penny-ante ways. In 1937, the United States Fidelity and Guarantee Company sued him for the proceeds of the Okama job to little effect. Eventually, this is Miller, he fell in with Frank Layton, another small-time Claremore Hood. On April 18, 1938, the Arkansas and Oklahoma State Police stopped Miller and Layton outside of Salem Springs en route from Claremore. They had an unregistered short-barreled shotgun in the car and apparently were making preparation for armed robbery. So the police arrested them and charged them with violating the 1934 National Firearms Act because of Miller's sawed-off shotgun. This in turn became part of a famous landmark Second Amendment case known as the Miller case or the United States versus Miller. Jack Miller himself was murdered one month prior to the Supreme Court's decision. Jack's bullet-riddled body turned up on the bank of Spencer Creek in Rogers County, Oklahoma. After a lengthy spree of bank holdups, store robberies, and murders throughout the Midwest, all the O'Malley gang were eventually captured. Additional facts about the crime can be pieced together through various computerized data sources, some of which include Miami Daily News Herald, Miami, Oklahoma, and the Joplin Globe. So that is a confusing. We don't know who was in the gang. We don't know who the gangs were. We don't know who Irish O'Malley was. Story. But they had some great nicknames, didn't they? I know. That's the best part of it is these old (laughs) newspaper stories. Oh, my God. Sensational, sensational. Pretty Betty. And I thought that whole sawed-off shotgun thing, um, evidently that that Miller case um, was brought up like recently in some sort of, well, you know, in Kyle Rittenhouse, this piece that I read talked about how this was a landmark case and they mentioned Kyle Rittenhouse. So it's interesting how something so long ago could still be relevant. You know, anyway, I'm going to read that book and then I'll get back to you and tell you what the real story is, according to Mr. Morgan, um, who probably had more time than I did to put this together. It was good, though. I mean, lots of lots of information in there. Lots of information. I know I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Now you can drink your drink. Mine's almost gone. Well, um, mine's all the ice is melted now, and so I'm sure it's really be watered down. Yeah, um, I used the last of my shampoo bottle for the cruise because I had filled my shampoo and conditioner bottles. You know, wink, wink. 
And so Skitter and I um, drank our shampoo bottles. So for you people that don't know what she's talking about, my (laughs) sister is a criminal. I'm going to be reading about her because she pulled shampoo and bottles with vodka so she could carry them onto the boat. God, I bet bet Uh, the FBI is listening to us right now. Like I'm the only person that's ever done that. Yeah, I got the shampoo and conditioner bottles on Amazon, so I'm pretty sure I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I also have some sunscreen, but I guess that's karma too, because I didn't get to use them in Mexico. I only got to use them at my house. Well, it is what it is. It is. So th- yeah. Thanks, everybody. We really do appreciate you guys listening to us, tuning in twice a month on the first and the 15th yeah we're gonna ask yeah we appreciate it we're gonna ask you again to leave us all the stars all of them that you can find listen for us and look for us on um facebook and instagram hey can i can i throw something in that i forgot to say at the beginning i'm sorry sure so i'm i lurk on reddit a lot i like it and just so you um people that read reddit there is a subreddit called r ozarks and if you want to talk to me, I hang out on there a lot and have talked to people who have listened to our podcast. So thank you, Redditors. Awesome. Yeah. So our website is also, once again, ozarkshanksandhooch.weebly.com. We'll have our extras on, up on there. If you want to look at pictures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So goodbye. We appreciate thank you. Wait, yeah. wait. Thank you, what? Gina Hoochie, our inaugural. Oh, yes, again. One more time. Can't Very get, excited. Uh, visit we our Patreon. It. That's right. And remember, if you liked it, tell all your friends. But if you didn't, keep, keep your, your big, big mouth, mouth shut. shut.